Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Tonight we're discussing page 15 of Alien Hunger, and this is a very special episode on a couple of different counts. Number one, I'm recording at Rose City Comic Con, uh, where I come to you from a hotel room uh, with walls certainly thick enough for general purposes, but maybe not enough to completely block out the sound of the fan next door, which sounds like standing directly next to a never-ending shuttle launch. I don't know why. It's very loud. I think it's going to be okay. I think it'll come, but if, but if you hear something weird, it's because I'm at Rose City Comic Con, where I did a live episode of Hard Choices, which I'm sure will go great. Go listen to it. It should be on the uh, Hard Choices feed. And uh, if it didn't go great, then I'll edit this out. Hide my shame from the world. You know who can't hide their shame from the world? The author of Alien Hunger. Because on this page, we begin the story, as it is called in papyrus type font at the top of the page. This is where the actual adventure begins. It's where we're going to begin following our protagonists, including original character Sir Allnut Bloodworth, on their journey from normal, boring human being to loathsome, damned, yet undeniably more interesting creature of the night. That all begins on this page, which begins, quote, chapter one, colon, first nights. And specifically, it begins with the first scene, scene one, colon, the attacks. Now, beginning on this page, we're going to get little snippets of fiction that describe the events of various scenes as a narrative. And those are going to be useful to us because they kind of convey how the author wants these scenes to feel, like in addition to the concrete details presented for the storyteller. This fiction conveys to us, this is the mood, this is this is the vibe of the scene, and this fiction stars the pre-gen characters found in the back of the book. So it's going to be useful to read this fiction, both to convey to me, the reader, and you, the listener, kind of what the point of these scenes is, but also to introduce us to the pre-gens, the protagonists of this story. So I'm going to start by reading you the first of many fiction pieces summarizing scenes. And then once I've read the piece, then we'll go back and talk about the nuts and bolts of what's happening in the scene and what is the dumbest thing in this page. So here we go. Quote, Emerson had had a good day. Business at the bank went well, and his polo team had worked wonders. High marks so far, excellent economy of language, I already want this motherfucker to suffer and die, or the other way around if it can be managed. Politically, socially, I am pretty far left. I try not to be an extremist, but you know what? If you've got a polo team and a bank to call your own, hoping that an undead abomination exsanguinates you is well within the realm of mainstream liberal politics. Quote, the young businessman parked his Corvette and approached his dot dot dot. Well, house was inadequate, but mansion was a bit extreme. He heard a noise behind him. Windsor, he asked. Now, to clarify, Windsor is his butler, as though a man named Windsor is even allowed to have other jobs. Windsor, he asked. The slap was as unexpected as it was powerful. The bearded man who had sent him staggering was not his butler, Windsor Martin. The stranger caught his eye with a piercing gaze. Sleep now, he said. Emerson, dazed and confused, complied and slid into the dark. So this is our introduction to Emerson, and I think it's pretty elegant in explaining who this character is. He's got a bank, he's got a polo team, 
He's got a Corvette. He lives in a place that he likes to say, well, it's not exactly a mansion, but it's totally a mansion. He has a butler named Windsor Martin, either because this man was born to be a butler or conversely, because perhaps he was purchased for Emerson when Emerson was a young boy and Emerson was allowed to name him. Just to give you a little more detail from the back of the book, we are going to be covering Emerson's whole like character profile and character sheet much, much later. But just to give you the basics right now, because we're going to be following this guy's story, Emerson's full name is Emerson Wilkershire III. He is pictured in the back of the book in a nice suit and a long coat. He's very handsome. He's very rich. And he has one of those faces that you want to treat exactly the way it's just been treated. More on that later, but first, let's continue the fiction. Quote, Marcus Smith Kearns sighed wearily and parked the car as the man who had flagged him down walked up to meet him. He was late, but he would not abandon the poor man. He got out of the car and approached the man. Car trouble, huh? Something caught his eye off to the side of the other car in the light of the emergency blinkers. What was it? A foot? Marcus looked up sharply. The stranger returned to the stair and with great force commanded, Sleep, my child. Marcus thought, No, I can't. But his eyes drooped a little. Sleep, the man repeated. And fighting his way down, Marcus did. So these are just two examples of what has happened to every player character entering this scene, pre-gen or otherwise. All of them have been attacked by a mysterious vampire who has laid some kind of trap for them, somehow like ambushed them or, or trapped them in some way, and then mind controlled them to fall asleep. Now, you know this because I just read it to you. And I know this because I read it in the book. But you know who doesn't know this? The actual player characters. Because while these scenes are meant to be played out, the vampire in question will actually use the vampire discipline of dominate, the form of mind control, to remove their memories of the attack afterward. So while we're playing these attacks out, in character, the, the characters probably never remember that these things happened. So all this mysterious attacking vampire needs to worry about is ambushing his prey, giving him the googly eyes, making them fall asleep, and dragging them back wherever he's going to drag them. He does not need to worry about making an impression. He does not need to worry about the relationship going forward. They're never going to remember this. It is just a means to an end. But not exactly. Because while the attacker in this scene is, in one sense, an inhuman monster, a vampire, he is, in another sense, very human. For what is a human? If not one who feels the urge to superfluously slap the shit out of a man whose butler is named Windsor. Vampire, at its, at its heart, it's a game of personal horror. It's a game of introspection, a game of, of deep humanity. What could be more human than you're, you're going about your night, you have an agenda, you've got shit you've got to do. Now, granted, in the case of this vampire, it's vampire shit. Maybe that's not super relatable, but we all understand, right? Like, sometimes you're busy. You have, you, you got a lot of things to do still tonight. Things have to happen in a certain order. Things have to happen by a certain time. And yet, you meet somebody who looks not just like an Emerson Wilkershire, but like an Emerson Wilkershire third, a triple distilled small batch asshole. And you have some legitimate business with them, right? You have to go do what you have to do with them. But at the same time, as much as it's on some level a waste of time, as much as if you put this down on paper and, you know, did the math, you'd see like, this isn't really worth it. This doesn't really accomplish anything. You just feel like, if only I could just give this guy a big fucking slap across the face. If only I could go talk to this motherfucker about whatever god-awful task has brought me face-to-face -face with an Emerson Wilkershire III and do that, but then also toe-kick him straight in the goddamn balls. Not because I have to, but because on a deeper level, I have to. That, in my mind, is beautiful. That is the ineffable, precious essence of humanity. 
And that is what we find alive and well on the vampire attacker on this page. It's the dumbest thing on this page, the most wonderful thing on this page, because as we're going to discover, this vampire is out here kidnapping victims. He's going to kidnap all the player characters. We're going to learn that he's kidnapped more people. He's had a busy, busy night. Imagine the stress of being mid-abduction, thinking about the people you've still got to kidnap tonight, and then in the middle of trying to think ahead and plan for the next abduction, suddenly, in a wave of anxiety, your brain is like, wait, wait, did I remember to tie up those other people I already kidnapped? Did I really remember to squeeze every one of those padlocks until they clicked? I'm I'm 90% sure that is some stressful shit. A lesser being perhaps would be driven to be all business in a situation like this. And yet, the mystery assailant stalks up to the front of a mansion, mind you, the mansion of a rich and powerful man, accosts him next to his car. The wealthy young shithead in question turns around to face the assailant, looking directly in his hypnotic eyes. And this vampire just rears back and slaps the ever-loving shit out of him. Like, listen to this. Quote, The slap was as unexpected as it was powerful. The bearded man who had sent him staggering was not his butler, Windsor Martin. No, no, he wasn't your butler, Windsor Martin. He was the meaty red stinging palm of justice, Emerson Wilkershire III, and a very pure justice because he slapped the shit out of you. You staggered back. That's a hell of a slap. Then he looked in your eyes and was like, oh, by the way, I'm a vampire. Sleep. And Emerson Wilkershire did. And then he hypnotizes him never to remember any of this. So this is extremely pure. This isn't even teaching Emerson a lesson because Emerson won't remember this. This is purely for the satisfaction of slapping a slappable face, which is the nectar of the gods. It is the purest joy. Not to now hold on disclaimer. I don't go around slapping people I hate. I don't do a lot of slapping. I only slap people I love and in a fun way. And I'll tell you for free that I'm no fucking mystery vampire assailant. I've never made anybody stagger by slapping them. Not for lack of trying. Like if I'm slapping you, I'm trying to show you a good time. But I simply am not, number one, a vampire. Number two, driven by the righteous fury of the 99%, vampire and mortal alike, empowering me to slap a grown man into a 360 degree rotation with one mighty hand. That's a furious strength that only the scandalously wealthy can bring out of me. So I'm afraid it is not available to anyone I may be slapping in other contexts. Although, listen, if you're scandalously wealthy and you're looking for somebody to top you in a way that's probably not okay, give me a call. Anyway, the dumbest and most wonderful thing on this page, truly, it is that this mystery vampire slaps Emerson for no reason, immediately making this mystery assailant the hero of the story. Rarely do you see scene one, page one, mystery assailant wins our hearts, but that is absolutely what happened today. Also. Surprise ending. It's not technically on this page, so it's not the dumbest or most wonderful thing. But you're going to want to check out patreon.com slash megadumbcast today for a free post available to everyone where you will see an illustration from the book of Mystery Assailant delivering a vicious goth as hell slap to the face of Emerson Wilkershire III. We're going to follow the story of Mystery Assailant, Emerson, Marcus Smith Kearns, and more protagonists we have yet to meet in a couple of days here on Megadumbcast. Tomorrow, though, We've got a page that includes that illustration of the slap, the very last bit of fiction that I read today, and the beginning of scene two. Most of the text on the page is spoilers, so we're going to be taking one more day, the last for a while, I think, to take a look at a random discipline from Vampire the Masquerade. So join me tomorrow for another look at a dumb vampire trick on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. 
If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time. <laughs>